Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in life, love, and leadership. Well, I want you to think for just a moment about the things in life that drive you absolutely nuts. I'll go first. Okay, thanks for asking. Appreciate that. Uh, Number one, people who waste my time. Mm. Two, people who chew with their mouth open. Can I get an amen on that? Three, people who say they're going to do something, but don't. Mm -hmm. People who are unprepared when they're supposed to be leading a meeting, group, or organization. People who lie to me. People who don't take their shopping cart back. Are you kidding me? It's like 20 feet away. And people who only want to text. Youngsters these days. Are you with me on any of these? What would you add to the list? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I had a day where I was triggered by all of these people. And my mind and heart were flooded with pure judginess. You know those thoughts like, I hate these people. These people suck. I'm so much better than them. They should have had me just do it. You don't think things like that? Hmm, All right, well, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe you don't realize, but there are some people out there, not you or me, who are judgmental about things like the kind of car you drive, where you live, your level of education, your religion or spirituality, the language you speak, and even the color of your skin. I know, it's shocking. Well, I reached out to my friend Stacy Robbins to have a heart-to-heart conversation about judginess and how it impacts my life and yours. The conversation's a little tricky because I didn't want to go into the details about the particular situations that were triggering me. Because honestly, the judginess is more about me than it is about them. If you don't know my friend Stacy, she's appeared on episodes 2 and episode 70, which I'll link in the show notes. She's also just been on the cover of the January 2020 issue of Woman's World magazine as they highlighted her 105-pound weight loss. She's an integrated wellness coach, speaker, author of multiple books, including An Unconventional Life Where Messes and Magic Collide, You're Not Crazy and You're Not Alone, and Bloom Beautiful. She creates experiences through her international retreats and workshops, empowering women from what she calls their brave soul place. All right, let's jump into this super honest conversation with Stacy Robbins. Stacy Robbins, welcome to the show. Thank you, David Trotter. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm glad to be here with you. This is like the surprise interview. Yes, it is an interview (laughs) slash conversation. And so I had something that I experienced the other day, and I've been wanting to get you for an interview on it because I think you are an expert in this area. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what you think. I think you are an expert in the area of judgment, Mm. judging. Judging, judgment, judgy, being judgy, judgy. Uh, and I, that comes out a little wrong. Not that you're an expert judger, but you have thought a lot about this idea of judging. And I had an experience the other day, and I don't want to get into it because, you know, people may be listening in my life. Um, I am an expert judger. Oh my gosh, Stacy! I, from probably an early age, I have been a more on the critical side, right, of things. And part of that is a gift, right? I can see things. I can walk into a room. I can see things. I can see things, how they could be um, 
improved and then I can move toward that. It also is this massive curse of always wanting to see things improved or better. And that doesn't include just organizations or experiences, but also people, you know. Uh, I remember a time in fifth grade when, no, sixth grade, sixth grade, we had these two teachers. We would spend half the day in one classroom, half the day in the other. And there was this teacher, Mrs. Sisney, and uh, somehow, I don't know, but I, I went home and I told my mom that she had called me stupid. I believe that's what it was. And of course, as a mom, you're like, hmm, okay, let's go seek to understand this back down at school. And so my mom goes down there and I remember standing, the, de- the I can see it now, that the tables or the uh, chairs were on top of the tables and... I remember her saying, well, I just think David's attitude is not a good one or something like that. And I remember freaking out and just being like, oh my gosh, this is the word. And I ran out of the classroom, sixth grader, what the heck? And I kicked the wall in the hallway, broke my toe. Uh, Of course, I didn't admit that or tell that to anybody. And I ran out in the hallway and I'm like, she's so stupid, right? And Somehow, as a sixth grader, I thought I, you know, had a better way of teaching the class than a professional teacher, you know, like you do. Uh, And I remember that experience going, um, even as a kid, I'm wanting to tell adults what I think should be the better way to do things. Stacy, what the heck? Come on. And uh, so anyway... I have these experiences in my life where I feel like I'm, you could call it judgmental. You can call it critical, whatever. I've worked on it for years, but I want to talk about why we are judgy, why we are critical, how we can become less judgy, less critical. What are the ramifications of being judgy in our life and uh, how we can maybe move forward. I, I can't be the only one here that's critical or judgmental of others. I see it all day on social media, right? Uh, <laughs> we think we're experts on everything. Talk to me. What do, what do you think about this whole idea of being judgy? Why are we judgy? Oh my gosh. Well, what a great topic. I didn't really know where we were going to go with any of this. So yeah, uh, like need a minute, but I, we're just chatting on the phone. It's like I'm sitting in my truck and we're just talking. I know. We do that so well, David. Uh, so when I think of, like, you share your childhood story about, um, you you know, being in that situation and and being good at judgment and and then also having it not work for you. Like, I guess one of the things that comes to me is when I think back to myself as a child, I'm thinking... I was really good at forgiving. I was really good at um, discerning and knowing certain things. But I don't know that there was the presence of judgment in the sense of right, wrong, um, worthy, unworthy attached to it. In the same way that when my kids figured out that I was fat, they knew I was fat and there was the presence of love. So that's like is that called judgment? Is that discernment? Is that just having information? Like does judgment automatically include um, like making someone right and someone wrong? Does it automatically include shame? So you can have information. So you can have information on a situation and yet not move toward 
saying it's right or wrong, good or bad? Yeah, I think that you can. I mean, when I think of, you know, you and I both came from religious backgrounds. And so there's this context of like, okay, well, what is judgment? Well, if I walk up to an apple tree and a fig is growing out of it, I judge that that fruit doesn't normally grow from that tree. That can be an assessment. Judgment can be an assessment, right? And then, um, but it also can be an indictment, you know, when you think of a judge and a jury, there's usually some form of punishment associated. So what makes it different between information and something that has punishment? For me, it's the presence of fear. You know, when there's a presence of fear, I'm going to need to define something as right or wrong because when I'm afraid, I want to feel safe. And if maybe me defining something makes me feel safe, I'm going to be more inclined to try to find a right thing and a wrong thing so I can find my relationship to that rightness and wrongness and associate myself with one or the other so that I can feel a sense of safety. So that's when I think that judgment is probably associated with punishment and shame and is when it's coming from fear. Let's say we go into a church or a doctor's office or a first date with somebody. We have this internal checklist of what will be, you know, like white flags and you can keep go- or green flags, whatever you want to say, that'd be a good flag. And then red flags. Like we, and we look for a certain number of boxes to be ticked off in, in our mind to go checked off to go, okay, this makes me feel safe enough to move forward with either opening mm-hmm. up my heart or having more time with this person or disclosing personal information or whatever it is. <clears throat> and I think that we're always scanning for that. And And I think that um, really, I think ultimately people are looking to feel safe. Okay. So a lot of the judgment is in the context of relationships. Okay. Judging a family member, being critical of a family member, being critical of a coworker. Um, So if I have a natural ability to see things, mm-hmm. right? See things that are, make assessments. Uh, I think that, that the, um, the, the challenge comes in when I'm making the assessment and it moves toward good, bad, right, wrong, in, out. Like that's where the challenge comes for me mm-hmm. um, versus allowing someone to just be. Mm-hmm. And having the presence to go, I can stay in this flow state and that whatever their opinion, their behavior or something, I can set a boundary if I need to, but, but this is not uh, impacting, like it doesn't need to impact me. The fear doesn't need to be like come up within me. Um, I can just allow them to be, celebrate their uniqueness. That's what's really hard. So like I would, if I knew a particular situation, like if we manufactured some hypothetical situation and you can do that and that's fine and we can address it that way. But when, when we shift from being in that warm, loving place with somebody to that, that place where now we're assessing them, you know, what changes for us? At what point did either we stop being committed to the whole person of that person? At what point did we either stop seeing their vision the way they saw it or stop um, seeing them as the right person to carry out that vision? At what point 
did we pull ourselves back off of the field and playing with them for, for us all to win? And did we get it, go into the stands and start like eating our popcorn and watching the plays and, and evaluating them? So what beautiful. does that? What yeah, does that's, a, that that's a beautiful when? metaphor. Oh my gosh. Especially like even in a marriage, like, oh, I'm not on the playing field. I'm in the stands now, like judging this person. Mm-hmm. So you're asking what is the trigger point or what is the, what causes us to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think something must trigger in me. Like, I don't want to be associated with this. This doesn't have the values that I have. Right. This is not how I want to live. This is not how I want to operate. This is not how I want to work. This is not what I want to be about. And so now I'm being associated with something that I don't want to be associated with. Um, I mean, that's pretty strong. I'm trying to think across all the different ways you could be critical of something mm-hmm. or somehow this is it's causing me anxiety. I guess something causes me anxiety because it's not living up to my values in some way. It's not part of what I prefer. It could be preference. It could be values. It could be vision. It could be, any of those things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it could be that. I So one of the things that can trip us up is if we stop being committed to that person and if we stop choosing that person as they are, who they are, where they are, we can remove ourselves. And again, it's a self-protection mechanism. It's like I'm trying to get away from what I see is like, an explosion about to happen or what does that mean choosing them in their whole selves or however you said that? Well, you know, we do that with our children without, you know, our children do goofy things that affect us all the time. You know, they affect our reputation when we're in a store and they're, you know, pulling our, our clothing off and everybody can see our ass or everybody can see our cleavage or whatever. And we're, we're less concerned about that. And we're more concerned about the child. You know what I mean? We're less concerned about our reputation and we're not thinking we're going to divorce our child. We're thinking they're in a place, they're in a, they're in just in a stage, you know, and they're having a moment and I'm committed to being with them in the moment more than I am committed to looking good or preserving my, myself. I'm more committed to them being okay in the moment. Now that doesn't always happen as a parent. Sometimes we are more committed to preserving our reputation and not appearing like when they do that kind of stuff in front of our boss or in front of our minister or in front of somebody that we deem important and we want to impress, mm-hmm. you know, then I think that we do, um, we can get divided. So I think I would ask the question without having a specific, I work really well with specifics. So And that's where my best coaching and intuition can step in. But if there is like in general, I would be asking some questions like at what point did you become more concerned about how you look and how you appear? At what point did you feel powerless to make a difference? And therefore you felt like you had to make a choice of safety, you know, to step in and make a difference because you felt like your voice still had a place and your influence still had a place of making a difference or did you step back did you remove yourself and with removing yourself did you attach any kind of judgment like that person is right or wrong because 
are you okay to choose just stepping back because this simply doesn't work for me anymore? If we remove the words right and wrong and we replace them with workability, does this work for me or not? Then what happens is we can neutralize someone else's behavior, come out of judging them and into judging the situation. And that Mm. becomes very different. So we can maintain a connection to people while we don't have to maintain a connection to their to the actions or to the, the thing we're doing with them. So let's say I'm in a business relationship with somebody and they are, um, you know, doing something with the finances that I don't agree with, you know, do I have to remove my whole self from that person or can I maintain connection with that person and still address the issue that isn't working for me? Do I have to make the other person? That is brutal. That is, that is almost, I, that is a very rare person who's able to do that. What you just said, to be able to address the situation and still be for that person, because it seems like we move toward demonization of that person, whether it's a spouse or a coworker or a friend or, or maybe it's just me who does that. So many of us do that. We do. I do that. I think that what happens is when we don't feel safe, I know this is like, big, heavy stuff, but I'm just going to say it this way and we'll let, let the chips fall where they may. When we don't feel safe, we safe, we stop being in relationship with people and we start being in relationship to people. And when we're in relationship to people, we've removed ourselves and we're like judging them, you know? And so when we're in a relationship with someone, we're like committed, we're with them. We choose them, the whole person of them. And we work with them through a situation But when we're in a relationship to someone, it's like I've removed myself. Now I'm pointing a finger at you. I've crossed my arms. I'm assessing you. Uh, You need to prove yourself to me. I have some invisible line of death you just crossed. It was inside of myself, inside of my preference, my safety. They have no clue. They have no idea that they've crossed the invisible line of death. And you're the only one who knows the secret of how they can get back into your good graces. That's the kind of judgment that doesn't work for humanity because it doesn't include honest communication. It doesn't include risking trusting someone else. It doesn't include owning your own choice. You can actually walk away from a situation without exploding it. You can walk away from a situation without making someone wrong. It can just be simply, you know what? I like I've walked away. I walked away from a family relationship where I deeply loved this person and not, but because I live in the end, not the, but is I, I love that person and they were really being unsafe. Mm-hmm. And the truth was, and I was in my twenties at, at this point, what I said was I, I, I stepped back and I want to look at me first because very often when we're judging someone else, it's really that um, it, it's often that we've got that same issue inside of us that's unreconciled and it shows up in somebody else. And so that's why marriage is so interesting because it's a provocative relationship. It provokes us and it pokes us. It's not that we're issueless when we're single. It's that when we get into a marriage or any kind of committed relationship, you're now having someone close enough to push those buttons that exist within you and And kids make it even worse they can make it harder right oh yeah okay harder sorry no it's true there i go judging judging kids of all humanity yeah so so the first thing that i'm hearing you say though is that with the the judgment we're 
moving away from a relationship with someone to a relationship to someone. And what I sense when I move toward judgment, whether whether it's a, a restaurant, a salesperson, a business, an organization, a spouse, a friend, a family member, a relationship is broken, like in some way. Or it's like, maybe it's still there, but it's definitely not a connection. You know, it feels more like, like you said, it's not a with, it's a two. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, then how many of us, including myself, are missing out on something. I feel like I'm missing out on something because I'm judgy. I feel like I'm missing out on relationship. I feel like I'm missing out on connection. I feel like I'm missing out. And yet there's a right, wrong, good, or bad part of me. And part of it, I think, is personality. I'm a one on the Enneagram, INTJ, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's justice, right? There justice is a big thing inside of me for whatever reason, personality that then I go, they're out. Like they're out, like, like they're out, you know? And it's like, what, what am I missing out on? I'm missing out on relationships somehow. I'm missing out on growth because of that judgment. So how do I move? How do we move from a place of judgment against other people? And this could be anything it could be as simple as being critical about a restaurant or you know organization or something like a sales kind of situation mm-hmm. now because i even say that because anytime i get into a mode of criticalness or judge judginess i don't feel good about myself mm-hmm. you know what i mean like if i'm negative toward like even a business or a restaurant or person or i i feel like yeah, yeah, right. I might get a little juice. I might get a little hit. I might get fired up because I know better than they do. I know better how to do something, or I know better, uh, better perspective on the world. I know better about politics, or you know, whatever. I get a little hit, but I don't feel good. Like I feel kind of bad. So, how do I? How do we move from that sense of critical judginess toward what? I don't even know what we're moving toward. How do we get out? How do we get out of that mode? Well, Richard Iyer wrote the book. um, Don't just do something, sit there where he took adages and he flipped them around upside down and backwards. So instead of saying, don't just sit there, do something. um, He took the adage that says, um, um, what is it when you know someone well? Um, uh, Familiarity breeds contempt right? Um, He said that commitment uh, dissolves the contempt that familiarity breeds. So one of the ways that we can... I don't even know how you got that out of your head. You literally pulled that out of your head right now as we're talking. That's out of control. Okay. Say that again. So funny. So really commitment. Commitment. What do you say? You know, when familiarity... Start knowing. You start knowing someone well, and then that's when, oh, I know you. I know you. I know you. And he says the way to take away that contempt that familiarity brings breeds is to commit. And so when we commit to each other, that's one of the ways. Like we're committed to our spouse. We're committed to our kids. We're committed to a bigger vision. We're committed to them getting through it. I mean, we don't throw our children away because they pooped in their pants. Like we're committed to them being potty trained, you know, like we get committed to, and they don't the, poop just once. Yeah. They don't do that just once. Right. And so I think commitment is one of the, one of the antidotes mm-hmm. for 
that. I think that it's also okay to start with understanding that we all judge. Like that's part of our wiring and to um, not get into a shame and blame with ourselves because that will lock us down and put us in judgment of ourselves. And see what I tell my clients is that judgment closes our periphery. So it takes our, that big field, that panoramic view of life and it, and it puts blinders on us. And then all we can see is what we think we're right about in front of us. We can't see the whole person. So the two pictures that I have with my clients is I say, basically, Judgment cuts off your peripheral vision, so you can't see the whole person anymore because you're so committed to being right about how wrong they are. And the other is that judgment is basically when we're in relationship to an idea, a label of someone. And so basically it's like we've we've labeled someone as right or wrong, good or bad. Oh, that person's always cranky, or that person always complains, or that person always does the right thing, or their house is always cleaner. They're always a mess. They got the water bottles falling out of the car. You know, they're a hot mess. Like we label people all the time. And the reason we do that, I see, is the reason we do that is because it's much easier to be in a relationship with a file folder. One-dimensional person somebody else. So every time that person comes to mind, we're not actually then. And every time that person stands in front of us, we're not in a fluid, trusting, vibrant relationship or conversation with them. We're in relationship with the idea we have about them in our head. And you know what that is? It feels easier. It feels safer. It feels cleaner. It feels less problematic. Whereas people in a dynamic relationship, they're going to take something and give something, you know what I mean? And so for those of us who go, I'm tired. I'm burnt out. My trust has been broken. I don't know if I can believe you. It's so much easier to be in a relationship with an idea in our head than it is to be in a relationship with a person. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you're likely feeling that I'm missing connection kind of feeling is because you are. You're missing all the joy that does also come with the fluid relationship. But what I was saying earlier, and I do want to just bring this point back, is that in my 20s, when I was in that relationship with someone who I did love, and I didn't know how to work with their unsafe parts, I was like, I had to admit to myself that maybe it's just that I'm not grown up enough. Maybe I'm not evolved enough to know. Maybe someone who knows more than I or who's a, in a better place than I am, mm -hmm. a healthier place, would know how to maintain this relationship with this mm -hmm. person. Right. is unsafe. Right. And so what I did was I went to that person. I said, I love you so much. And I know you love me. And I don't want to point a finger at either one of us because I don't know that I have a clear enough understanding of what's going on. What I do know is that I'm not getting clearer by being in close proximity of our relationship. So because I don't know how to navigate this and I don't want to make you wrong because I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. I'm saying I can't see clearly this close up. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take a step back. And I just want you to know it's it's for the sake of having some time, having some space and getting some clarity about what my part is mm -hmm. because I can't call you to your part until I know what mine is. And I want to do that first. And that is the way that I separated myself from a relationship that seemed to have a lot of unhealth. And I didn't also want to blame them. Mm -hmm. as the, I didn't need to make them wrong in order to leave. I needed to just know that I didn't have clarity. And that was mm -hmm. enough. And I find that that is more freeing for me mm -hmm. to be that kind of honest. I have someone in my life right now who I do not trust. I do not trust her. And 
I am trying to figure out how do I have a conversation about not trusting someone when I don't trust them? So how am I going to allow them to speak into the conversation with me as a peer, as an equal, when I don't feel trusting of her? Mm -hmm. If I don't feel trusting of her, what could she say that would engender my trust, that would inspire my trust? Mm -hmm. And I I don't have an answer on that yet. And so Mm -hmm. therefore, I'm seeking some wisdom outside of myself. Um, in order to get clarity on that before I have a conversation with her, if I ever choose to have that mm-hmm. conversation. I'm wondering how many of us are disconnected from relationship or just we're so tired from day-to-day work and the workplace relationships that we just uh, put people in boxes, like you're saying. You know what I mean? We, we judge them for being a certain way and we miss out on the fullness of that relationship. Uh, because it does require effort. I see you in all of our conversations. I see you extending, seeing people at a, I'm like, Psh, I would have written that person off so long ago. And you're like, no, 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 no. They've got, I see the fullness of them. This is just a moment. You know, we're, they're learning, they're growing there. I'm like, oh my goodness, you have so much capacity to do that for people. Like that's part of your gift, I do believe. But I also, not only it's a gift, you work on it. Like you actually are very conscious of creating uh space for people to be able to morph and change and see them in a whole, you know, a whole, a whole perspective. Um, So I I just, I appreciate the conversation. I think um, that's one of the things in 2020 that I am going to work on. And I think that um, the the people that I'm judging are not really, uh, they're not uh, harmful, meaning like, you know, it's not a situation like you were dealing with in your twenties. Like these are people that are just great people, you know? Um, and, and it's not one area of my life. There's lots of people that I judge in life. And, um, I am just wanting to be honest about it and go, okay, great. How do I give this an opportunity for me to be more fluid, more open, more generous, more gracious, more, uh, getting rid of the the blinders to see the holistic aspect of the person. Uh, I want to work on that this year. Yeah. That's part of, I think, you know, what I, it's a lifelong, that's a lifelong challenge for me. And I feel like I'm wanting to, to uh, do more work on that. I commend you so much for wanting to take steps of evolution in, in that I, you know, I went through such a judgy time. So I was so judgmental in my religious times and in my assessing of others. And I have been, yeah, it was like the queen of, of judging people. And that's not how I was as a child. I could know and love. I could know and love. Um, something kicked in. I was taught certain things in my upbringing, and then I went through some unsafe circumstances, and then I got into some religious ideologies that include um, good, bad, right, wrong, you know, certain forms of justice, etc. And And it just became part of my culture. And I became really good at it. I'm a really good student. So if you teach me judgment, I'm going to shine. What I found is that when I would encounter people one-on-one and be in the presence of them, truly present to the mm-hmm. presence of them, yes. I couldn't employ those same judgments. Right. I truly felt so much love. And what I started realizing is that there is this 
like a picture of a seat, like a throne. And it could, there was only room for one butt on that throne. And it was either going to be a seat of judgment or a seat of love. And I couldn't, I couldn't do both. I had to just, if I loved you, I loved you. That didn't mean I didn't see the whole person of you, but it meant that I wasn't sitting in that position in order to judge you. I stopped seeing people as broken. And then I stopped seeing myself as needing to fix them. You know, that saying if when you see everything, when you only have a hammer, you see everything as a nail. I stopped seeing everything as something needing to be fixed by me. I stopped, um, living in the role of being a savior to people and, or knowing more about them, I realized that was my way of keeping a distance and not having to open my heart. And I realized that the more I judged people, the less I was actually able to live in the legacy of love that I want to have in humanity. And so it just stopped working for me. And so some of this I've learned through revelation like, oh, I had the aha moment that I can't love and judge people at the same time. And I also learned some of it by just working on it, just noticing. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest remedies for healing judgment in us is to notice when we're doing it and mm-hmm. to kind of have that higher voice, that higher, that higher view of ourselves noticing when we're doing something that when we notice it, like Eckhart Tolle says, when you hear two voices in your head, only one of them is true. Mm. When you have the part of you that can see that you're judging that part of you that can see it is the mm-hmm. best part of you, the highest mm-hmm. part of you. The other part is that self-protective egoic human part of the experience. And the other thing, last thing I want to say on this um, before you jump back in is Dave, it's, it works for us in humanity to judge others. That's why we're not often willing to step out of the judgment is that it has a high level of workability. You've gotten through 40 plus years of your life with this. I got through X amount of decades in my life with it working and it works until it doesn't. It works until we stop feeling peace or connection to people. And we start going, wow, that it matters more than I'm connected to my child. If my child came to me and said, I vote this way and it's different than you. I think this way about marijuana and it's different than you. I think this way about whatever, then it's different than you. I would hope that what my child feels around my table is that I love them more than I need to agree with them. And so that's, that's really sort of my aim more with people. Like as I've envisioned the last couple of years, it's that whoever sits at my table knows that they're loved more than anything else, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I won't judge. It just means that I have a higher aim than Mm -hmm. trying to figure them out or fix them. Mm -hmm. StacyRobbins.com, Italian retreats and hundred day gong. Yeah. My hundred day gong is that hundred day experience that I have starting on January 21st. And it's one of the most powerful practices I've done in my life that helped me to move the needle on losing the rest of the hundred pounds I've lost on writing books that were on in my heart. And that helped me to move forward peace of mind to lose that naggy bitchy voice in my head. I have done 10 100 day practices and um, they have transformed my life. And so I'm creating that for other people to join me on January 21st and they can go to stacyrobbins.com and click on the link through and uh, join us. Perfect. It'll be in the show notes. S T A C E Y Stacy Robbins.com. 
Stacy, I feel less judgy already. You're awesome, David. Well, thanks for listening to this unique conversation with Stacy today. And if you found it to be educational or inspiring in any way, please take a moment and share it with a friend. Take a screenshot on your phone, text it to them, and tell them to listen to Inspiration Rising wherever they listen to podcasts. It might be on their Apple Podcast or Google Podcast apps or Stitcher or Spotify. Well, if you've been feeling judgy about something or someone, I want to invite you to join me on the journey of looking within. Is this judgment serving you and that relationship well? Do you want to make some changes in the way that you see this person, the way that you see this situation? And what would it look like to release the judgment and begin to cultivate peace in its place?